Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Interclean podcast. My name is Robert Selling, the director of Interclean Global Events, and it's my pleasure to be the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to deep dive into the sustainability in the cleaning industry. And for that, I am joined by two industry experts with a good background in sustainability. The first is Xiaoming Bai, the International Marketing Director of Werner Merz Professional. Werner Merz Professional is a major manufacturer in the cleaning industry who has completely structured its company and production processes in a circular way. Xiaoming himself is an expert in circular economy, global brand management, international marketing, and intercultural management. Hello, Xiaoming. Hi, Robert. Thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to Thank exchange you. with you. Thank you for being here. And our second expert is Steve Ashken, CEO and president of the Ashken Group, a consultancy company with a goal to make the cleaning industry more sustainable and green. Steve has been involved in the cleaning industry since 1990 and is now a writer, speaker, and advocate for a greener, safer, healthier, and more sustainable cleaning industry. Steve has been pioneering green cleaning long before it was well known, and he's by some even considered the father of green cleaning. Thank you also for joining us, Steve. Robert, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, let me just start with a personal question. Uh, Salming, what does sustainable sustainability mean, mean to you? Well, uh, sustainability means that, you know, the wealth and prosperity of humankind will last as long as possible. I won't say it will last forever because, you know, someday we will face the extinction like uh, some other species, but we can prolong this as long as possible. Okay, and how do you see it, Steve? You know, I've been working on green cleaning for 30 years now, and we've spent a lot of time thinking about how our industry affects uh, human health and the environment. And so now the move to sustainability expands upon that. And it really is a look at how organizations operate, right? It's not just an interchangeable word with green, but really thinks about the environmental, social, and governance of organizations. And I really hope that this distinction becomes something that all of us in the cleaning industry can adopt, especially because that, in my opinion, is what our customers are really looking for and how they're defining it. Thank you. And then how do you see the future of the cleaning industry with regards to sustainability? Uh, as a follow-up question to you, Steve. Well, I, you know, let's face it, not all customers care. There's still plenty of customers that the only thing they care about is how cheap the product is. But for those customers who do care, which tend to be the largest global players and those committed to a more just and who actually care about their employees and other issues, if we want to sell to those customers, then we're going to have to do the things that make us more competitive in terms of meeting their needs beyond just the price and performance of our products. And how do you see this coming? I totally agree with uh, Steve uh, because, you know, um, in the uh, cleaning industry, most of the companies, they don't really understand the word sustainability in the right way, actually. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, you know, they, their mindset is still based on the uh, being cost efficient instead of being effective for the environmental protection. 
Yeah. So the price benefit, as Steve said before, is still very important to most of the customers. Yeah. But I think the future of the cleaning industry will be affected by the mega trend circular economy. So this is going to de uh, definitely going to shape the future of the cleaning industry. So the companies will be forced to avoid, you know, making negative impacts on the environment while conducting business activities. And those who are not able to cope with this trend will no longer exist for the long run. So it's almost like a survival of the fittest yeah. when it comes yeah. to sustainability. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. yeah. And, and what is needed in your opinion to, to, to make this transition, to, to make um, clients and users uh, understand what sustainability really is and why it's really needed? Well, I think, uh, first of all, uh, we have to rethink our business model. Yeah. So just think about, are we, you know, making negative impacts on the environment while doing our, you know, daily business? How can we avo avoid, you know, um, uh, harming the environment and, and uh, a human being, you know, where cleaning or offering cleaning products? Yeah. How can we reduce <clears throat> the waste yeah, during our business activities? And how can we start using, for example, circular products like <clears throat> recycled, pl uh, recycled plastics for the packaging or, you know, plant-based um, raw materials for uh, 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 producing the cleaning detergent and so on. Yeah, these are the examples, yeah? We should really rethink our current business activities. Uh, thank you. How, how do you see that, Steve? Dr. Coleman? Well, I agree with all of those comments, but the thing that I wanna continually emphasize is that when we talk about sustainability, it goes far beyond just environmental impacts. And if you look at the cleaning industry, you know, if we think about service providers, you know, it's really not the impacts from the products that they buy that we're going to be concerned about, because as a business, their major impact is tied to their people. And that's what's so unique about sustainability as opposed to green cleaning. So when we think about being sustainable organizations, we have to think about social impacts, better hiring practices, about diversity. And we also have to think about the governance of the organization to make sure that they're ethical, that you know, we're not doing things like buying products made by child labor or slave labor. You know, and over the years, we've had lots of experiences with companies whose brands have been terribly tarnished because it was found out that they were making products, you know, by slave labor or making them in a way that was harmful to their people. So again, the three things, the three pillars of sustainability is of course environmental, but the new issue with sustainability is to make sure we're focusing or considering impacts on people as well as how the organizations themselves are being managed. So it's much more than just the environment uh, when it comes to sustainability. We need to look at the social, we need to look at governance. It's a broad picture um, and it goes through the entire industry value chain, uh, I guess, uh, Steve. Absolutely it does. And again, this is the ESG reporting requirements that we're seeing growing across the globe. Um, currently, I'm on a U.S. 
American National Standards Institute uh, project to be able to figure out how we appropriately develop sustainability reporting requirements from a financial perspective. And these requirements are changing, they're growing, the demand again for major customers require that cleaning companies, if they want to lead in this area, really need to start understanding what's required and start reporting themselves. So you expect that companies will actually be held accountable for what they're doing in terms of, of sustainability and not just uh, doing it for themselves, but be, not just doing it for the environment, not just doing it for the world, but because also their stakeholders, their, start, their shareholders are going to be asking for it. And at the end of the day, it's good business, right? You know, when we start thinking about how a manufacturer, whether it's paper or chemicals or equipment, how they make their products, you know, the first step in sustainability initiatives are always efficiency measures, right? How do you reduce energy consumption? How do you reduce water? How do you reduce waste, et cetera? And when we do that, it all helps us save money. And those dollars drop right to the bottom line. And if you look at the distributors of cleaning products, their greatest impacts are going to be their fuels used in their vehicles. So again, when they are more fuel efficient, that money drops to their bottom lines. So it's good business and it opens the door to many customers and the people who want sustainability reporting and work with more sustainable companies. And we can have long discussions about why that's important to them but it, it will give companies in the cleaning industry a competitive advantage against their competitors who are able to walk the talk and also to do it first, to get in the door first and demonstrate that they understand what's going on and can use it to help improve their own businesses. So it's a sound business decision to start to become sustainable. And it's a sound business decision to start now to have like a first mover advantage when when doing this. Precisely. Yeah. I want to move on to uh, circularity. Uh, Xiaomin, you already um, uh, mentioned this. Um, Benig uh, is is almost a completely circular uh, economy. Uh, how does this? Uh, how did this come? What what made the decision to become a company like this? And and how did that process go? So basically, uh, our company has already started um, uh, producing uh, environmental friendly products in 1980s, right after the Chernobyl incident. Yeah, that's a nuclear uh, uh, accident yeah, in Chernobyl. Yeah. And after that, so um, people just, you know, first time thought about the uh, environmental impact yeah, human activities might uh, create, yeah, the negative thing. And uh, back in the, in the 1980s, also, in Europe, uh, it was huge environmental pollution from the industry. Yeah. So, for example, the Rhine River yeah, is full of foam yeah, um, because of the uh, cleaning detergent. Yeah. So, therefore, our company has started uh, rethinking the uh, business model yeah, by introducing new environmentally friendly uh, products. And uh, through the years, we have constantly developed uh, ourselves. And now our business is purely based on the concept of circular economy, yeah? which means um, our business activities are within the biological circle and the technical circle. Yeah? On the biological circle, we only use plant-based renewable resources 
for developing the formulation and the surfactant, the, the detergent, yeah. And on the technical circle, we only use 100% uh, recycled plastics for producing the, the, uh, the packaging, yeah. So in doing so, we can make sure that we are making no negative impact on the environment. And also uh, for the production, we use 100% renewable energy for the production. And also we have uh, um, at our company plant, a internal water treatment system. We can make sure that the exhaust water after the production is even cleaner than the original water we have um, absorbed. Yeah. So a completely circular production uh, process. Uh, just uh, what does that mean for your suppliers and your clients? Today, I'm sorry, so what does that, oh, I was present. What does that mean for your suppliers and your clients? Do you, do you involve them in your sustainability and circularity efforts? Yeah, sure. Because basically, you know, we are helping our clients to do the smooth transition toward circular economy. So with our help, they just you know, need to invest. Uh, you know, no. So basically, they don't need to invest more. Yeah, they just you know uh, change to our products, and suddenly they can just you know make the transition to a circular economy. Yeah. So this is the major benefit. Yeah, they can become the first movers, as Steve has mentioned before. Yeah, because we have been the pioneer in this field, and if the customer will work with us, yeah, we can help them enable the transition to circular economy. Yeah, and we can see more and more customers um, are um, adapting our concept, are trusting our product. So therefore we have a, a double digit growth each year. So again, a sound business decision as well. Uh, yeah. Do you see, uh, maybe this is a question for Steve. Do you see anything that the cleaning industry can learn from other industries in terms of cradle to cradle, which is part of circular economy or circular economy in, in general? Um, it's a good question. And, um, you know, at least in the US, I'm going to be so bold to say that the cleaning industry has been a real leader in our country about looking at green related issues to the point where about 30% of all the products that are sold in the cleaning industry, chemicals, paper, equipment, tools, accessories, et cetera, 30% of which are third-party certified. So they've been tested by, you know, independently for their environmental and human health-related issues. So we're really proud of what we're doing. In terms of sustainable industries, the U.S. is really trying hard, and I'm talking about our cleaning industry, to really pioneer how it affects an entire industry sector, especially when we're not just talking about the product manufacturers, but the distributors and the service providers as well. So we're really working hard on this. We have an industry initiative that's going on here now um, that we're really trying to understand how to apply these things in a way that also works for small and medium-sized companies. And I have to say that that's my greatest concern is that the reporting requirements will become so difficult that only major corporations can afford to track all the data, can do the reporting. So we're really trying to learn our way through this and to do it in a way that addresses all parts of our industry. So the manufacturers, the distributors and the service providers again, 
because at the end of the day, this is a, these are lessons we actually want to share with other industry sectors. And we believe that our industry can be a leader in this area. And from, and from, your, your, from your European perspective, Xiaomi, is the cleaning industry also a leader in, in Europe? Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, because, because we have an immediate impact on the human health. For example, if uh, the cleaning detergent uh, being used is unhealthy, it creates aerosol, you know, after the cleaning. And if you enter the room and your lung will be uh, polluted yeah, by the aerosol. And uh, it is estimated that uh, one cleaning staff um, in average has uh, two, ye two years less uh, life expectancy comparing with a healthy person, just because of, because of the, the, the hazardous cleaning detergent. Yeah, so they lose two years in, uh, in average, two years of life. So this is really, you know, uh, devastating to, to, uh, to see. Yeah? So therefore, I think we can play a major role in leading the other industries yeah, toward a circular economy also. Yeah, it's not only good for human health, but also we can uh, make a positive contribution to the environmental protection and also the social aspects, we, uh, which Steve has mentioned before. Yeah. And, and Robert, if I might also comment, you know, during COVID, at least in the United States, one of the challenges that our industry is facing is finding workers, right? So the advantages that those companies committed to sustainability have is beyond the health impacts of the products and the processes that they're, they're using, is to really start thinking about other things to take care of our workers, our hiring practices, our wages, our benefits, and other areas, which all dovetail very nicely with how we think about sustainability. So, you know, in a competitive market space, you know, a service provider regardless of the products they're using, cannot succeed if they don't have workers, right? Because at the end of the day, it's the workers is the real product that they're bringing to the marketplace. So making sure that we're really thinking holistically, <laughs> excuse me, beyond just the human health impacts is incredibly important to companies' success. And you know, okay, sustainability, circularity, uh, these are all very big words, big impact. I can imagine that uh, you just mentioned the small to medium enterprises, that they might have an idea, no idea where to get started. Um, do you have some practical tips for a company who wants to become more sustainable after hearing this podcast, who wants to get started with a transition to a circular, to a circular company? Any practical tip that they, where, where should they start? Uh, Steve, for you first, maybe. Well, thank you. Um, so, you know, the way I think about this is, again, what our customers are really looking for. And, and I'm talking about the major customers. And I'm sure your audience is familiar with the concept of ESG, you know, environmental, social, and governance reporting. So where companies have to begin is starting to develop their own reporting, right? You know, it's hard to run a business if we're not using data, right? And beyond financial data, we have to think about environmental impacts, the social impacts and governance. 
So the first place to really start is looking at what the organization itself is doing in its own buildings. You know, whether it's a manufacturer or it's a distributor or even the offices for a, a service provider is tracking its own energy use, its water use, its production of waste, you know, other, you know, um, impacts on natural resources. So they should track those things, both from a cost and an environmental perspective, a, a consumption perspective, be able to do some simple calculations on greenhouse gas emissions, but reporting on environmental issues and developing trends. You'll notice from most sustainability reports, it's not just, you know, we produce 8 billion megatons of carbon dioxide or greenhouse gas emissions, because nobody really understands what a megaton of carbon dioxide is. So we need to be able to not only track what we're doing, but more importantly, be able to say, we've set goals to reduce our impacts by 5% or 10%. And year after year, be able to show improvements relative to their goals. So that's on the environmental side. And then they also need to track their social issues, you know, their hiring practices, you know, being able to track diversity related stuff, to think about wages and benefits, tracking uh, volunteerism and donations. There are very simple things that all kinds of companies in our industry can track. And then to be able to make sure they're paying attention to their governance issues, thinking about things like the leadership, the diversity in their own leadership, right? How executive pay compares to what the lowest person on the totem pole gets paid, whether they have internal controls to make sure they're not involved with illegal practices, you know, shareholder rights. But to begin with, at a minimum, track your energy use, your water use, your waste production, track it, and be able to set goals for reduction. At a minimum, that's what people are looking for. So to summarize, uh, start with small steps and get the snowball running from, uh, from there. Um, uh, as a already very circular uh, company uh, examine, uh, any additional tips for companies that want to get started on being circular? Yeah, so basically I agree with, uh, with uh, uh, Steve's uh, suggestion. So companies should plan holistically, focus on long-term effect instead of short-term gain. And very importantly, companies should avoid conducting or supporting greenwashing just to get short-term gain. For example, you know, finance some projects in Africa or in a cleaning, ocean cleaning project and then do a PR campaign and claim that you are a sustainable company. So this is kind of the practices, the greenwashing practices being done right now in the industry. It is really devastating to see that, yeah? So they claim that, for example, they are uh, CO2 neutral by compensating you know, uh, through sponsor projects in some, 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 some other countries, yeah? Uh, instead of improving their own uh, business activities, their production and their value chain, yeah? So, um, so therefore, uh, my suggestion is you can plan holistically, but act in small steps. And there are some standards, international standards that may help as guidelines for the companies. Like for example, in EU, we have eco-label 
we have a credit to care certification, we have EMAS certifi certification for the whole company, we have Ecovadis for the whole value chain. Yeah, just take a look at such standards, yeah, and analyze them and uh, reass uh, uh, reassess your own business activities. Yeah, do your activities match those standards? Then you can get the certification. Yeah, if not, you have to improve yourself. So don't. Uh, don't take the uh, easy way by uh, by greenwash uh, on the unstable, but really focus on the things that actually make make impact. Yeah, and Rob, so, please go ahead. I, I yeah. apologize for so, interrupting. I, I just give you one example. So one of uh, uh, the uh, the providers of a cleaning detergent has recently introduced a cutting edge innovation, a CO two neutral cleaning detergent. Yeah, and. By the end, we found out that they have just compensated through a sponsor project in Africa, but the product itself is by no means CO2 neutral. Yeah. So if this is a standard being established in Europe or in, in the whole world, yeah, then we, we will create more damage to the environment and to, to, to human being instead of a more positive contribution. Yeah. So Robert, uh, if, if you don't, if you yeah. don't mind me uh, interjecting, the one thing that I want to keep reiterating on your podcast is, while the products themselves are really important, sustainability is really more about how the organization itself operates. You know, because um, you know, at least in the United States, green cleaning is a big deal right? It, it, yeah. If you want to sell to a LEED certified building or to a well certified building, you know, to all these projects and a lot of federal state buildings, schools, hospitals, green products are what is being used. And they're all third party certified. And I agree with the concern about greenwashing. But when we really start laying the foundation in the cleaning industry about sustainability, let's please not forget that there are two other legs to that three leg stool and to think about the social and governance issues. This is where it's going. And to do less than that, we're creating problems for our organizations. So let's lay the appropriate foundation. And when I hear companies that tell me that they're sustainable, the first question I always ask is, are you providing a sustainability report, right? If we talk about greenwashing, I call it sustainability washing. You know, talk is cheap. I want to see what it is they're doing because some of the fundamental issues underlying the sustainability movement is the whole issue of transparency. We want to know what companies are doing. And the reason that our customers want to know this is in their own efforts to reduce risk. So for example, earlier this year in the US, there was a disruption in our um, gas supply line on the East Coast of the United States. It was hacked. It shut down gas distribution in the US. So a company that has a distributor right, because their main impact is fuel for their vehicles, it allows companies, their customers to say, I think it reduces risk 
to know that the company I'm buying for has a very fuel efficient fleet, right? So this is all about a customer's efforts to reduce risk. So they want to know this information and let's make sure that in Europe, they're really paying attention to all three of those issues and really doing it comprehensively and completely. And they don't have to do everything, but let's get started on what they're doing, make sure they're reporting on it and setting future goals for reduction. And maybe a thing to help companies get started um, could be the sustainable development goals developed by the, by the United Nations. Um, uh, when you look at these, these goals, uh, Xiaomi, do you, to what SDGs do you think the cleaning industry can most contribute to? Well, I have take a, uh, taken a look at uh, uh, the goals. Uh, I think we could contribute uh, especially to such goals uh, like uh, sustainable cities and communities and responsible consumption and production, climate action, life below water, and as well as uh, life on land. Yeah. yeah. So these goals can be really immediately affected by uh, the cleaning industry. Yeah. yeah. Do you know? Do you know of some examples of what the cleaning industry has already done to contribute to those uh, to those goals? Yeah. For example, if you can use recycled plastic uh, as uh, the raw material for producing the packaging, and also the packaging uh, later after usage will be gathered, yeah, together and recycled again. So it will remain uh, within the technical circle and um, the plastic will not uh, land into the ocean. And also the microplastics yeah, are also the huge problem right now. So if we can complete the technical circle, we can really avoid harming the ocean and harming the environment uh, in the very beginning, in the first place. Yeah, and also uh, I think Steve has mentioned also uh, the social and economic aspects, yeah. These are also uh, the part of the um, SDGs, yeah. And we can also make a contribution, you know, to this, yeah. If we can conduct, you know, uh, the, uh, the right way in hiring and um, and also managing the employees, yeah. And that completely uh, fits with what Steve. Uh, saying that not just looking at those products, not just looking at the E, but also as on the S and the, and the G. Uh, how do you see this from a US perspective, uh, the, the UN uh, social uh, sustainable development uh, goals? What's being well, done in the US to contribute to these? Well, Robert, now you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> um, I'm not a politician, okay? Personally, I really don't care about the UN and I don't care about the UN goals. And I say that because it has zero impact on customer demand, zero, okay? I'm not a politician. I don't, I'm not here to give a speech. I'm not a college professor here to teach those kind of things. I wanna recommend pragmatic applications based on what real customers are looking for. And in the US, it's based on sustainability reporting. It's based on the Gresby, the Global Real Estate Benchmarking Survey. It's based on those kind of things which are driving customer demand. 
I have clients all across the country that are being asked by their customers to provide sustainability reporting. None of that is tied to the UN Global Compact. So I don't mean to be disrespectful to the work on a global level with the UN, but that really seems to have virtually zero impact. And when I see an RFP coming out for buying cleaning products, the things that I do see is they want reports on energy, they want reports on water consumption, they want reports on waste, they want that kind of information and they want it based on the sustainability, the ESG reporting, and not tied to the UN Global Compact. And, I, and maybe it's different in Europe, I admit I don't know. I spent a lot of time in Asia too, I don't see it really impacting there. But in the end, focusing on what the organizations do will meet the right, the right requirements and will turn out to be good practices from a business perspective in both the short and long term. It's good to get those different perspectives from different sides of the uh, of the world. And I, and I uh, what I understand from is to the U.S. perspective, it's about customer demand. They're asking for ESG reporting, uh, and that again, that's what you need to deliver as a as a as a supplier. Um, in Europe, it's not only driven by what the customer is asking; it's also sometimes driven by what regulators are doing, uh, especially the what the EU uh, is asking. And one of the big things coming out of the EU is of course the, the Green Deal. Um, do you see it that the cleaning industry is already starting to think about the Green Deal and how this will impact the cleaning industry? Well, to be honest, not really, because the cleaning industry is not uh, always the pioneer, you know, uh, I, I mean, the majority of the cleaning industry is not always the pioneer in uh, dealing with, uh, with uh, European Green Deal. Yeah. So um, basically, if uh, the end customers, uh, I'm talking about uh, the customers of the cleaning industry, yeah, of the contract mm -hmm. cleaners and so on, if they actively demand on uh, sustainable cleaning services and sustainable products, yeah, then the cleaning industry will cope with this demand. But uh, from the cleaning industry itself, yeah, there's no clear you know, trend uh, heading to that direction so far. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't even have like kind of uh, uh, the minimum uh, uh, requirement fulfilled uh, in the cleaning industry, like having an EU eco-label or having a credit credit certification or ecovadis for the complete uh, mm -hmm. aspect yeah of the company yeah so there's probably a lot of work waiting yeah. for the cleaning industry when it comes to the to the green deal um steven would you like to add something i saw that you unmuted your uh, your microphone and I... I i would and what i want to do is challenge your listeners and challenge your company challenge rye you know, you guys are major players in the European marketplace and around the globe. We should organize and develop programs in the cleaning industry and not just wait on our customers to force their requirements on us. We should be leaders. At least in the US, candidly, we have a seat at the table and we're loud and we say, this is what's important for our industry and for our workers. And so there's no reason why we can't lead. There's no reason why as an industry, we can't figure out what makes sense for our unique issues, especially as it applies to small and medium sized companies. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that, 
you know, I participate in a new American National Standards Institute work group. And that's exactly the role that I play. And it's just because I banged my fist on the table and said, the cleaning industry is important. You shouldn't take us for granted. We have a lot to offer and to be willing to put in the time and effort to do it. We are a service industry. We wait for our customers and sometimes shame on us. What are we waiting for? What, we're smart. We're innovative people. We have unique experiences and a lot to offer. So we are the ones who are responsible for what we do and we need to lead. And I hope your company will help the industry lead. I'll check. A challenge accepted, Steve. And I guess that's also yeah. why sustainability is one of the topics on our podcast and will actually also be one of the very key topics at the upcoming Interclean Amsterdam uh, 2022 uh, uh, event where we really want to make sustainability visible and especially help those companies that are already being sustainable make that known uh, to the visitors of the uh, of the trade uh, the trade show examen uh, you wanted to uh, to add yeah yeah but i i hear from this respect i just do also want to challenge you know maybe steve a little bit uh, because you know uh, if we speak about like uh, 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 recycling and uh, recycled plastics yeah so you know that in europe at least in germany we have a recycling code of nearly 60% meaning 60% of the plastic waste will be recycled. And in the United States, we have less than 10%. So I really doubt if uh, this is the right approach uh, happening in the United States, if you are gonna bury and burn all the plastic waste. And also from the cleaning industry, our consumption of plastic packaging is huge. So I really doubt, you know, for the long run, um, if this is the right approach in the United States if they continue burying and burning the plastic waste or exporting to the uh, poor countries like uh, to uh, uh, Southeast Asia? Well, um, <laughs> sorry so, to be honest, but. Uh, <laughs> well, so, so let me be honest. You know, when we talk about Germany and I respect the Germans enormously as I do the people in Scandinavia who have been real global leaders on these issues. But the thing that I think a lot of Europeans forget is that, you know, America has parts of our country that have recycling rates and similar commitments to environmental things that are as high as any country in Europe. But when we look at national averages, it sometimes distracts from what the real issue is. And I'm not trying to defend what we're doing here because I think we can do much better. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are a lot of issues that we need to deal with. Um, there's a lot of improvements that have to go on. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is not a competition between Germany and the United States or Italy or Ireland or any of the other EU countries. This is important about all of our futures and we all have to do better. You know, and when we talk about the circular economy, you know, there was a big push in Europe about extended producer responsibility where companies actually will take back their own products. It's not just about, you know, circular economy is not just about using recycled materials. So we have, we all have a long way to go. 
And beyond just the product related issues, I challenge everyone listening to really think about their operation, to think about their companies, to think about how people are being paid and taken care of, to think about how their organizations are really designed so that we really can be successful on a global basis. Yeah, I think from the uh, payment perspective, I do agree with Steve because in Europe, we have some kind of toxic um, situation right now. So the wage of the cleaning staff in the cleaning company is below minimum wage even. Yeah, and most of the workers are, um, you know, immigrants who barely speak the language. Yeah, so that they can get the dirty job and with the lowest payment. Yeah. So if this continue happening, so at least I, I don't know uh, how's the situation in the United States, but in Europe, yeah. So there's a huge price war within the cleaning industry, at least from the contract cleaners. Yeah. So they always get less budget and they will sell themselves cheap and they will impose this kind of cheapness into their own employees. Yeah. So I think this is kind of, you know, really a poisoned circle if this is continue, uh, continue happening right now. Yeah. So then, then the question becomes, what do we do about it? Because the, the comment I mean that you're raising, now I've been in the industry actually for over 40 years. My family owned a chemical manufacturing business, you know, multiple generations. So, you know, I'm very familiar with how to make products. I served as director of product development for a consumer products company here in the US. So I'm very familiar with all of those issues. And for my entire career, I've listened to people talk about well, our, our workers are underpaid and our industry is underappreciated. So sustainability creates an opportunity for us to raise, to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. You know, what are our companies doing to change those things other than us complaining about it? We need to find ways to advocate for the workers in our industry. We need to find ways to convince building owners and property management companies of the essential nature of our work and why these things are important. But we can't even measure how clean our buildings are, right? We, we have no standards relative to this, much less about how the companies themselves are operating. So, Thinking about this from a marketplace perspective, there are real opportunities for companies to really succeed with these in issues. And in the short term, to use sustainability as a way to measure how they're performing from, you know, on environmental impacts and to do it in a consistent way and to find efficiency measures that really can help them save money. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good to see that you both are so passionate about uh, this uh, subject, and we're able to challenge, uh, are able to challenge each other and our and our listeners. And and to summarize, I think there are a lot of uh, challenges there, but also a lot of opportunities that are that are being raised uh, for the for the audience. Um, and with that, I would like to conclude this first Interclean uh, podcast. I'd like to thank. Daoming and Steve very much for their time, for their very valuable input and interesting uh, challenges and perspectives from different sides of the industry and different sides of the world. Thank you very much, uh, Steve and Daoming. Thank you, I and appreciate that. And Robert, let me say thank you. I appreciate the effort that your organization is making because 
you are the ones who are serving as the catalyst across the entire industry. So I appreciate your personal effort and thank you for having me on today. Thank you for your words, uh, Steve. And that's just what we try to do as, as Interclean. We try to be a platform for the industry, try to deliver value to the industry uh, by identifying what's needed to, to bring the industry uh, further. Uh, viewers, uh, listeners back home, thank you very much for tuning in to this first Interclean podcast. Our next podcast will be about new technologies and digitalization in the industry. And thank you for now. Thank you.